Hola, yo soy Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. This is Paddy Ashdown and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. What a good name that is. Hi, I'm Tom Brake and this is the Limehouse Podcast. Hello, this is Nick Clegg and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics can do. Hello and welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast, your liberal speakeasy. I don't know why I did that. I feel like it's a bit of fun and I'm also perhaps making a pitch for uh, being a continuity presenter on Radio 4. I just think that'd be quite cool. I think it's the next step. I think I think you'll I think you'll agree with me that it's the next step for me in my life is to start introducing shows. Next up, Women's Hour. Although they wouldn't say next up, would they? Anyway, yeah, guys, sorry about that. I'm just having a bit of a, a, a meltdown. It's, it's, it is crap weather outside, isn't it? And I, um, I've got an antidote for it. I'm going to see Paddington 2. I'm going to go this afternoon. So if you haven't done it, do it. I think the reviews suggest that it's going to be an amazing experience. An amazing experience. But yeah. So guys, this this week, and I think I'm sorry before I just go on to this week, I'm ready for a cry. I don't know why I feel really emotional this week. And it's got nothing to do with David Davis, you know. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the uh, border border controls, with the um, Northern Ireland Ireland uh, uh, conversation up there. I, I, it, it's a weird one. I don't know why I'm feeling emotional. I can't even put a, I cannot put a finger on it. It's just one of those things, you know. You just, you have one of those weeks. I think it could be the clouds. It, it hasn't fucking had. We haven't had sun in London for four days in a row. Guys, how are you doing? Clearly, we don't know how I'm doing, but we're hoping for the long run it's going to be okay. This week's episode, Peter Egan, the one and only animal rights activist and actor extraordinaire. He's he's come on the show uh, and, ha- and he has delivered a beautiful conversation with me. He is the man, he's the man of this hour anyway. We, we talk a lot about his work, obviously, with animals, his beliefs, how he got involved with Animals Asia, how he is continually involving himself in the most pressing issues around the world to do with animal rights that I feel you guys will really take a lot from. And I think Peter has also done some crucial work getting some of his acting buddies in that profession together to shine a light on all the horrendous shit that goes down around the world and so obviously you know about my background right you know i bleat on about soy dog the soy dog foundation in phuket in thailand constantly i I took the podcasting gear over there for god's sake jeez louise this guy so i think you'll really enjoy it we're going to go back to Peter at some point in the future and talk to him a little more about his acting profession because that is something to behold as well. Obviously, you guys would know him from Downton Abbey um, and ever, can, ever decreasing uh, circles in the uh, 80s. And, and look it up on YouTube because it is bloody funny. It's really good. Um, and yeah, and obviously look up his stuff on Downton because it's, it's pretty masterful. He's just got... And oh my God, this guy's voice. Check out Pete. Just... You know, if you're not... If you, if you just, whatever you're going to do with your day, this voice 
will blow you away. Okay, it is deep and it is beautiful. It's so soulful. His story, how he got into animal rights uh, activism and Animals Asia and what have you, it stems from a story that is pretty similar to mine and, and the stuff that I do for um, for for any uh, for animal rights and what have you. It's really it's really funny how you. I'm not going to tell you about what it, what it is because you'll freaking ruin it. But it's it's a very interesting it's a very interesting point that he makes. It doesn't it hasn't doesn't have to be a bolt from the blue. It can literally be right on your doorstep. But anyway, hello guys at Twitter, guys at Twitter, not not the people that run Twitter. I mean the, the people that are following us now on on Twitter. So the last few people that have have decided to to, to follow us. I want to say hello to Lewis. Lewis Colgan, Vanessa Robinson, Anne McKee, Kathy Stephen, and Matt Downey. Hello, you beautiful people. Thanks for the follow. I hope you're enjoying the show. The audience is obviously growing. Uh, we have some amazing guests coming up on the show for you. We've got David Runciman coming on, the head of politics, Cambridge University. Pro- Professor David Runciman, who is also involved with a fantastic political podcast called Talking Politics, which is intellectual and it is heavyweight, but so damn good. They get right to the, the grassroots of every issue. If, if I mean, the, their outtakes are the best in the world. And they had David Miliband on there the other day. So I listened to this interview the other day and it was like mind shiftingly good. It was really frank and fantastic conversation that he had. Uh, and it's well worth a listen. That's what I say. It's well worth listening. So David is coming on the show and I'd like I'd, I'd like you to I'd like you to stick around for that one. And that's coming up, I think, next week, guys. Good Lord. So that's quite exciting. But yeah, if you do feel like making a donation to get this show uh, even more off the ground than it already is and really out there and, and keep that caliber of guests like flooding out there, I'm flinging my hand around like uh, Mark Kermode or something. Yeah, go to the go to Patreon, patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and I think it's forward slash Limehouse Podcast, or alternative, you can just search on their website for us, so, and you, you can make a monthly donation, and that really will go such a long way to help us out, that really, really will, anyway, traps, before, before I engage you, I press engage with this here interview with Peter Egan, I want you to take a really deep breath, okay? It's going to be fine, okay? It's nearly the end of the year. You've got a chance to make some New Year's resolutions, maybe one or two. That thing you've been putting off has been, it's really been annoying me. I cannot believe you haven't done that yet. There are no excuses to why you haven't done it. Really, you you can do it, okay? So, Make that your New Year's resolution. Draw a line under it and go and do it, okay? Because it's coming. Deep breaths. You can do this. Anyway, in the meantime, here is the wonderful Peter Egan. We've got the wonderful company of the, the marvellous Peter Egan. Obviously, everybody knows on the podcast that I'm um, a massive animal animal rights campaigner in terms of what, I, what I've sort of done for the Soy Dog Foundation. Uh, over the years, been out there like three or four, I don't know how many times it is now, it's crazy. And Peter, how did, what I've kind of wanted to get to the grassroots of is when when did animal rights really get to you? When was the first moment you thought, hang on, I want, was it 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? When, when was it? I rescued an extraordinary um, Spaniel collie, a spolly, I suppose the people call it. Um, I, I called him 
DJ because he had a black coat with a white bib and he looked like he was wearing a dinner jacket so I called him DJ and um, I, I discovered him under a bucket in a cattery and um, the bucket was moving around in the cattery and I said to the person who's that and they said oh that's a little puppy that's been was thrown in the back of a van from a puppy farm an awful puppy farm in Wales Wales is the worst area in the UK for puppy farms and um, so I opened this I lifted the side of the bucket and this little face came out and bit my beard and I moved oh. back and he came back and he was attached to my beard he, was, oh. I, he could almost fit in my hand and uh, he, he, he was the most remarkable dog and as he grew up I suppose because he kind of chose me in that way this was in 1999 now 18 years ago uh, I found that um, one he was such a little vulnerable thing and you know I think when you have something that you can fit in your hand in that sort of way you part of you kind of opens in a slightly different way I think to them like babies I found with DJ that um, as he started to grow and I would talk to him um, great compliment for actors he, he used to listen to me all the time <laughs> and um, and I and I thought that was rather complimentary but then <laughs> then I um, what I really found amazing is something it was a bit like a kind of a thunderbolt. I, I suddenly found I used to, I would look in his eyes, and for some reason, this sounds vaguely romantic, I suppose. But um, why can't you be romantic about a dog? Um, I, I, um, I when I looked in his eyes, I got a sense that I was seeing all animals. You know, I felt I became very aware of something which is vital to our being which is the understanding of sentience in animals and of course compassion and and I think I experienced that profoundly when I got to know DJ and so DJ became my gatekeeper and he opened the gate for me um, into the world of animal complexity and um, and of layered feelings and relationships um, and from there, I then got very involved with a group in... Then we moved from West London to, to, to North London, and we lived opposite the Heath, and I was always getting engaged with people on the Heath with their dogs, talking about their dogs and all that. And I discovered about the rescues, and then I got involved with a charity, and we built the charity up, and we called it All Dogs Matter, and now it's a very significant London charity in North London, and we rehome. Um, over 300 dogs a year, which is rather remarkable. But um, so uh, DJ kind of opened the door to that journey, and then uh, something significant attached to dogs happened to me. I was introduced to a, a charity seven years ago called Animals Asia, which rescues moon bears from power farms. And uh, Jill Robinson, who is uh, the most inspiring person in the world, um, who is the CEO and the founder of Animals Asia. Uh, she asked me if I would uh, first of all be a patron and then um, after a few months asked me if I would be their UK ambassador and I felt if I was going to be their UK ambassador I should know more about what they're doing so I went out to China visited the sanctuary and then and that was a totally life-changing experience you know to can be, you talk about a bit why it was so uh, life-changing firstly um, moon bears can live in cages for up to 30 years the cages they will be either born into or put into on capture or purchase will be a cage that is about a meter off the ground uh, so they will be standing on iron bars um, they'll be in a cage in which 
in most cases they can barely move they can't stretch they can't turn around um, as they call them crush cages mm. and they'll have um, bile extracted from their gallbladder on a daily basis which the only thing I can think of in terms of pain that might give a clear image of that is um, if, you know when you visit the dentist and the dentist drills into your root um, and hits a nerve without um, any any painkiller, yeah. the sharp pain that you get from that, which is so profoundly uh, dis disturbing. I think um, that um, having your bile extracted, it must be a bit like that. Um, learning a bit about the horror, visiting this sanctuary um, where there were, were 127 bears in the most extraordinary invent creative enclosures, and seeing these bears that were, the only way I can describe it, are forgiving because they've been treated so appallingly by human beings. Mm. Um, and of course these bears will never ever, because they wouldn't survive, will never ever return to the wild. So they are in sanctuary for life. So there is a degree of proper communication between the bear and uh, the human, because the human is looking after the bear. I mean, there are strict rules about not touching the bears or never looking if you're ever you're crazy enough to look for a cuddle from a bear I mean the strict rules in from animals Asia from the top down are that you have to respect the bears wildness but the bears are fed so they will come to the cage and they, you can hand feed them and they will take it from your hand and of course they develop methods because bears have to have health checks you know in terms of giving bears injections and extracting blood and things like that all extraordinary deft things that these wonderful people develop in order to make the bears lives um, as uh, comfortable and as creative and as close to um, having some form of refinement as possible. And I just found being in the environment of 127 bears, to see these bears interacting in their enclosures, for them to come up close and see them through bars, their humour and their inquisitiveness, their forgiveness, it touched my heart. I mean, I got, I just... It was again like a thunderbolt, I th I, and again I kind of, and I understood the importance of the value of understanding sentience, and the value of compassion, and how important it is for us to respect the rights of all animals on our planet. Mm. There were so many different uh, things that influenced me during that trip. I mean, the most profound thing was that I truly, truly understood the meaning of animal welfare because these bears are treated holistically by this wonderful team led by Jill um, and I understood what animal welfare and animal rights means basically yeah. so that's why it, both emotionally and intellectually why it was such a life-changing experience sounds a bit kind of highfalutin all of that I mean you could just say oh I looked at the bear and I thought it looked lovely and I fell in love with them but it was yeah. really much more layered than that I do also you know a lot of work supporting people who are against animal testing and so I you suddenly you suddenly become aware that and then when you go into canned hunting uh, any kind of hunting fox hunting um, industrialized slaughter you you become aware that we humans are consistently waging war on every species on this planet. We wage war on every single other species without question. Mm. 
And through the dogs, the bears, and testing, animal testing, I've just directed my life emotionally and philosophically in a way that uh, tells me that I can't tolerate this anymore. And so I am now, if it's possible to be more than 100% committed, I'm a more than 100% committed to animal rights and animal welfare yeah. and the rights of all creatures of, on this planet to have what we as humans value most, and that is the right to life. These sort of five freedoms that are spelled out in, in most progressive yeah. uh, Western societies, I suppose, or the five freedoms in the, the, they're built into the EU as well for animal, animal welfare, I suppose. Because there was a bit of a furore around that last week when um, it was, it wasn't handled very well. The, the sentience, the, the sentience, yeah. and and what have you. I think it was. I don't. I don't know if anything's going to change in terms of um, the Great Repeal Bill and stuff. And and I think there will still be huge welfare given to animals. But it was the suggestion that. Yes. Um, well, I think it was a lucky accident, if you like, that that happened. Because I don't think that the whole of the Conservative Party voted that animals weren't sentient, which is what was being uh, publicised at the time. I think it was, to a degree, an oversight, but it's a very interesting oversight because I would have looked at the contract more clearly, basically, and I would have cared. Now, if, if the Conservative Party as a party cared more about animal welfare, that wouldn't have happened. Mm. The fact is they are beginning to care more and I think they are also understanding how important animal welfare is. Animal welfare is, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of millions of other people on this planet, is the most important issue of the 21st century. Mm. And I think that it was a big wake-up call, this, this, if you like, oversight. It has certainly focused Michael Gove uh, in terms of his relationship with uh, this contract that we have in terms of animal welfare. And I think it's also worth stating that throughout Europe, we do have the best animal welfare in, of any other country in England. I mean, we have the highest standards, even though they're not high enough. We don't allow foie gras to be produced. We don't want um, the EU to invest in bullfighting. So, you know, there are, we don't eat horses. And now, of course, I'm a vegan, so one would say, so what's the difference? What, you, you know, um, you, we don't eat any animals, but nevertheless, we do draw the line somewhere. And when we are dealing with animals that we would continue, would consider to be um, our companions, we draw the line in general about eating them. Mm-hmm. Now, in France, they don't do that. I mean, they love their dogs, but they eat their horses, you know, so there are these contradictions. They have the most disgusting uh, thing on the planet, I think, which is abusing poor ducks and geese to get fatty livers and um, produce uh, disgusting foie gras. So, you know, there are anomalies all the way down the line in terms of European anti-welfare, uh, animal welfare, and how high the standards are here. I mean, we are fortunate now, I think, that we have the opportunity to uh, really lock our um, animal welfare standards and raise them even higher, and hopefully we don't get into a situation which seemed to be happening a few weeks ago when Liam Neeson was in America, and we were talking about having chlorine-washed chicken and things like that, you know. And, you know, we've really, really got to hang in there, because I do think, I mean, 
accepting that we have huge problems here in terms of how we deal with animals, I do think that our, one of our greatest exports is animal welfare, and I think we should be proud of the fact that we do have high standards, even though they are not always policed. I did want to um, talk about Soy Dog Foundation, because I think that's kind of what brought me into your radar, I don't know. And um, I didn't, this is so funny, when we first had a phone call to set this up, I, I don't know what's wrong with me sometimes, how I don't realise or join the dots, but you created or um, were the master mastermind behind the um, Soy Dog uh, Foundation campaign, which uh, brought together quite a few famous faces like yes. Ricky Gervais and uh, Judy Dench and what have you, That's right, yeah. that, that led me to... Um, to see it oh, and, and then go and then go out to Soy Dog in the first place. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I mean, uh, for, I mean, first I should say I was instrumental in drawing all those people together, which is a the, the, a very fortunate side to my being in the in the profession. I'm in. Um, I knew most of those people, and and, and I and, and I knew them all to be great animal lovers. So I was able to draw them into that campaign. But in fact, the campaign was created by Ella Todd. Um, she designed the whole campaign and had the idea of, I, I didn't know, I didn't know, yes, now that yeah. you know. Very, yeah, very effective. It's yeah. very, very effective. So, so I was instrumental in, 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 in certainly in, in getting that together, yes, and I was very proud of, of that and very proud of the effect it had in that it uh, forced the uh, Thai government to introduce new animal welfare laws into the legislation. Well, we're here because of it. Indeed, absolutely, yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a, you can't get a better recommendation yeah. than that, can you? Yeah, it's yeah, great. Exactly. And of course, Soy Dog do extraordinary good work um, in, in uh, Thailand. Um, I've just recently, in fact, started a similar campaign for Indonesia because they have a huge problem about... I mean, they have it in the whole, throughout the whole of Southeast Asia, this terrible appetite for eating dogs um, between 30 and 50 million dogs a year are killed for slaughter yeah. slaughtered for, 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 for food and um, it's um, it, it's awful having said that you know it, it's what is great is um, because of social media and also the various equivalents of Twitter throughout the world messages get out very very quickly and one uh, what, what I'm learning is that um, the young in all of these countries uh, they are rejecting um, these old habits of because you know, a lot of things with dogs, apart from the fact they were cheap food to begin with, they're now very expensive food, yeah. and um, and also in many cases medically unsafe. <laughs> you know, to, yeah. uh, they carry rabies and various other diseases. It's just funny, isn't it? How um, I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, you and I would be, we'd be sat in a sort of incredibly less meat-dependent societies around the around the world. But it is funny how you do need the the names and the faces and what have you to push these things. When Ricky Gervais tweets something. Thousands upon thousands of people take notice. Yes. I, well, I'd just like to say on, on that. I mean, I think Ricky Gervais is remarkable, and <clears throat> I think he is the single biggest voice for animal welfare in the world today. I mean, his he, he has a massive following, mm. and when you want in the region of um, twenty-five million people to hear a message, he's the person to go to. <laughs> he's remarkable, but not, not only is he remarkable in that he has that voice he also has that commitment mm. I mean he is a really really committed um, animal lover and yeah. a believer in the rights of animals he's a very admirable man I had my head turned when I came back from from my first trip to, to Thailand to over at soy dog and I um I so I watched a film called earthlings oh, yeah. and so some of the stuff in earthlings which is totally mind-blowingly 
Cruel yeah. actually opens. It's, it's narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. Indeed, yeah. and um, it's a great film. It is a great film. It's in fact the film that turned me into being a vegan. Oh well, there you go. They call it the Vegan Maker. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want to talk about it, that's that, that's fine. Well, I mean, I I watched Earthlings. I think about eight or nine years ago it shocks you <laughs> to the center of your being the cruelty that it exposes yeah. in industrialized uh, slaughter in halal slaughter in kosher slaughter and in the everyday normal whatever slaughter is you have in slaughterhouses mm. that are neither of those that are just non-religious based i watched it in one sitting i couldn't speak for three hours after it i was so traumatized by what I'd seen. I was traumatized by the cruelty, the lack of respect, mm. the greed and the indifference to these poor animals, all kinds of animals. And I said to myself then and there, I will never ever eat meat again. And I, and I haven't changed. That again uh, is a major, major life-changing experience for me. We don't have the right. We just don't have the right to do what we do to animals just for food. It is disgusting. You know, sometimes yes. the truth really, really it's gets It's irresistible, you. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, it's extraordinary, that, isn't it? And they do those simple things stay with you. I mean, there are also very interesting images. I mean, I pick them up all the time, like Leonardo da Vinci saying four or five hundred years ago, whenever it was, um, if you eat dead flesh, you turn your body into a coffin, you know. And it's such a vivid image, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people are coming round to having at least less meat in their diet, yeah, yeah. which is something. It is, yeah. Well, I think that the message is getting out there that these big mega farms are not only destroying the animals that produce the meat that they want to process in such abundance for people to eat, it's also destroying the environment in which the mega farms exist. Certainly the chicken farms in Mexico and places in America that are destroying both the land and and the waterways. Plus the fact that it's, I'm sure, as I'm sure you know, it, it takes five times the amount of grain to produce the equivalent in weight in meat. Um, it, t it takes a year's amount of water that you or I would use just in terms of our water intake for drinking and showering, it takes a year's average intake from, of a, from a human to produce one kilo of meat. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, it, it, we can't sustain this. And of course, the big corporations that are producing this kind of meat, they want people to eat more and more and more meat. It's going to destroy the people. It's going to destroy the planet. And so I'm really, really um, very excited to see that there's a huge swing towards alternatives to meat in America. And I think people like Bill Gates and Richard Branson and many other billionaires are investing in, um, I think it's Memphis Meats. Have you heard of Memphis Meats? No. Memphis Meats used to be, a, I think, a mega animal flesh processing uh, area. And it's now turned over entirely, I think, unless I've got this entirely wrong, but I seem to remember reading it, turned over entirely to um, producing meat alternatives. Yeah. And, and I just find that very exciting. Also, I go to a lot of vegan events, um, and what thrills me about it is that there are so many young people, great young entrepreneurs, who are really, really committed to getting away from everything to do with um, animals in terms of whether you, what you wear them or eat them. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like... A 
the football teams or, or Lewis Hamilton as you know you've got like Forest Green Rovers and, and it's great I mean even, even if it's not necessarily their heart and soul in terms of looking into an animal's eyes etc etc like we've expressed it's still a step in the right direction it certainly is I, I really don't mind whether you do it dietary or ethically you're, you're you say you're 110% into this now um, now but you have been for a while I, I mean I'm sort of at a strange time in my life where I realize that I'm 71 so I have how many good years have I got I mean I could have 10 good years so I could be more but it could be 110 could be 110 but I doubt it um, but it could be less and I don't want to waste any time so if I don't if I don't contribute to what I care about certainly three or four times a day in terms of messaging or problem solving or asking questions or if I don't do that I feel I've wasted my day yeah do you feel like it's sort of like life has become very narrowed down into sort of focus now yes totally yeah 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 totally I mean I don't want to waste my time you know doing all the things that I wasted my time with um, in, in the past. Can I, I, don't, I don't want to be rude, but uh, do you think that comes, and this, is, this will sound rude, but do you think that, that comes with age and that is like a, one, a gift of age? It might do, yeah. It, but it also comes to crystallizing and focusing and, and having the confidence in what you believe in. And that doesn't necessarily mean age, does doesn't it? Doesn't mean that's, age. No. That's, yeah, that's any yeah. That's any time. I mean, what happens, I think, with age is that you might get the time. I mean, I, I was always very ambitious up until my, the age of 40. I mean, I was totally focused on my career um, and, and my family, of course. But um, the, the, I wasn't ready to have animals, really, until I was 40. And that's a great, great uh, misgiving in myself because I should have started what I'm doing now when I was young, like you have, because it, it is the young who are going to change the world. Mm. And I should have been feeding into this you know, 20 years earlier, and I regret that. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think the amount you do now is kind of making up for about 15 lifetimes worth of people, or more or more or more, or more, more than that. To, well, you know, the, the, I suppose we all uh, choose what is important to us or respond to what we think is important important to us I mean there are so many different there are so many different influences in our lives uh, the thing I think that uh, and it's possibly easy for me to say is because it's what I believe but I think that if we all kept in touch with what I believe to be the fuel for our souls whatever our souls are um, uh, the fuel for that is compassion and it, what informs compassion is understanding other people's points of view is empathy is seeing other people's right not to have aggressive or violent um, point positions but to have a creative and a fulfilled life mm. I, I mean I believe that's why I'm never frightened about immigration or because I don't believe in a, a, the global postcode lottery I don't see why it's because some poor soul has been born in a desert in Africa has to stay there and can't try and feed their family and improve their lives by moving to another country. I think everyone has the right. I think we are all earthlings, single and individual members of this planet, and we all share this planet. And I don't believe in being, um, this is my England, I don't believe in that at all. I believe that this is our world. The little England mentality that we've let sort of permeate our inner in a workings of, of too too much of our 
too much of our cycle our day it's become way too much of our daily like five you know it's like you know, vitamin c vitamin d and uh, just keep them out you know it's it's, it's extraordinary are you, talking, are you talking about brexit and yeah i'm talking right? about brexit xenophobia yeah. and how it's just become part of our diet almost some of our diets yeah, yes it's I, you know this whole thing of brexit is very confusing really i think and as i mean i voted to remain because i've i prefer to be part of um a, a, a bigger society than than just uh, the UK but then I do feel part of the world anyway so on the one hand I am disappointed about Brexit and on the other hand it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference because I still feel a citizen of the world really hey guys welcome back that was that was something I really felt that one right deep down in my soul beautiful sentiment from from Peter there if we all just kept in touch with the inner fuel of our souls, which is compassion, we'd probably be in a better place. I think these these sentiments are fantastic, and I hope to get Peter back on the show to underline these things a little more because I really I felt I felt like what we could have gone on for another two or three days just talking uh, uh, about his uh, his interests and where they come from, and and I I do get the feeling like when when you're with really amazing people, really genuinely amazing people, you do you feel their genuine their their genuine heartbeat. You know what's really behind that that whole process, their thought process, the way they choose to live their life. It's not just bullshit. It's not just for the camera. It's not just to make themselves feel better. In the day and in this day and age, let's face it, that is freaking easy, right? We all just go on Twitter, or we go on Facebook, and we we share something, we, we tweet something that's so, so horrible that's happening to, to animals around the world, and then we forget about it. I think what Peter's chosen to do with his life is is incredible, you know, and he, he feels, he, it's, it's, it's almost not laughable, but it, it's so sweet of him to suggest that he feels a slight sense of shame that he hasn't done enough, that he's only just now sort of over the past few years really sort of concentrated heavily on it even though he's been doing it for a lot longer than that but he's really decided to give up acting and turn his all his focus onto it now it's like god why would he feel it's so sweet of him to feel like that but i think there are a lot of us out there particularly some of i know listeners like um tom turtle or steve little people like that who do give a shit about uh, animal animal welfare and people that listen to show on a regular basis and we'll we'll have something from that get this get something from this week's episode and that's why i wanted to bring it to you it bring this bring bring a beautiful soul right into your eye line you know just why not and i'm really glad we brought peter on the show for you this week and i, I hope it, it sheds a little bit of light on some issues but you know moon bears obviously the disgraceful treatment around the world i mean it's it's another thing there are just so many problems that are being completely ignored by brexit you know we do have people like william Hague who are doing wonderful things for the for animal welfare around the world he does do great things for rhinos and elephants and that's obviously the the power of parliament that organizations around the world can come to our beautiful sovereign fantastic powerhouse of democracy and go man alive these animals are being treated like shit in in this is x y and z zoo in indonesia or something and, and the powers that be in this country can 
use their political influence to have a change, a change in effect. It's fantastic that that can happen. And how, why is that possible? Because we have people like Peter Egan out there who have compassion and a profound sense of duty, the, the ability to be able to converse with, with MPs, with ministers, with people like you and me, all on one level, by just being and sound like a human being. Yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you're able to sort of perhaps be a little bit more active in and, and doing doing good in, in the world, perhaps, and, and trying to be more in touch with your, your compassionate side. And that can just be to, to each other, right? You know, I saw the beautiful advert the other day by the Samaritans when I was in the cinema. And, and it was about, I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but it does go along the lines of compassion and, and being more self-aware about who's around you. And this it's about this a train announcement by this lady who said today, we're sorry that there's a delay on the train, that uh, there's been an obstruction on the line, someone's, there's been a fatality on the line. And, and then, yeah, turns out that it's that that woman who would have killed herself uh, had it not been for a person showing some compassion and care uh, saved her from doing that and it's a beautiful story and it just got me thinking you know geez it's it it is just about saying just wearing a bit of a smile sometimes you know especially this time of year to to one another and I think obviously then extending it to the creatures of this world that we are really really in danger of wiping out some of the most beautiful species on this planet and I'm glad that Peter was able to highlight the moon, the moon bears for you as well, as well as the plight of um, animals Asia in general, the plight of, of all the animals that they they uh, they look after and highlight. And obviously, yeah, soy dog, the Soy Dog Foundation. Because, hey, we here at the Limehouse, we've got two soy dogs. One new one, Arlo. What a legend. Say hello to Arlo, everybody. He's not in the room at the moment. I've uh, set him downstairs because he's uh, he's got muddy paws little bastard anyway guys that is the end of this week and I, it's coming up to christmas so that's probably why i'm getting all schmaltzy and i'm off to see paddington too i hope you're off to follow peter on twitter you can do that at peter egan six you can check out uh, if you check out animals asia what they're up to that'd be fantastic and obviously the soy dog foundation that'd be great and if you feel like uh, looking us up on Twitter, you can. That's at Limehouse Pod. And we're also on Facebook. And we do have a website as well. That's the LimehousePodcast.com. Wowzers. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed Nick Clegg, the chat I had with Nick. And if you feel like giving that a share and this week's episode a share, hey, please do. I ain't going to stop you. I'm not. Go and do it. Get that finger out, get that thumb out, and start sharing it, okay? Okay, mama. Right, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.